Oh, how was the? Uh, <laughs> is it echoey? No, not really. Okay. So, um, it but out okay. I I haven't gone through it completely because of our. T- the crotch hole came through loud and clear. Yes. Yeah. Everybody came, but I had to cut that part out. <laughs> it was a sad day. Very. Because once I get some curtains and some wall art. Tapestries. Yes, just. Fucking and tapestries. Then, and then another piece of furniture. Yeah. Fucking tapestries. And a, a movie. And a carpet. Mm-hmm. Well, in Indiana Jones. Where tapestries. He, <laughs> tapestries. <laughs> I'm here to inspect the tapestries. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what I'm thinking of. If you are the guy that I am Mickey Mouse. <laughs> God, I love Indiana Jones. Oh. Who does it? Oh. Oh, that you know, he killed people. We can make girl? him a character on, on Runner Brunch. That's true. Would he be near, I assume, justifiable the justifiable homicide? Yeah, he was probably mostly self-defense. But is, let's save that for another episode. Is, is every Nazi death justifiable? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think so. I, I think we could take a strong stance with Murder Brunch and say we're anti-Nazi. Yeah? I agree. I agree. Do you concur? I concur. I should have concurred. <laughs> <laughs> see, see how easy it is to just say I am anti-Nazi. Oh, I know. It's super easy. I don't know why anybody has a problem with that one. No, I'm anti-Nazi. You know, I mean, it's like... I'm sure there's terrible people on both sides. <laughs> so this is post-Thanksgiving. Right. I'm so full of food. It's two days past and I'm still... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is why... Say something funny! <laughs> I will talk about dipping turkey in no. mayonnaise. No, it won't work. It won't work. Although that, that is a gross habit of yours. And we're not talking about around Thanksgiving. Clinton just really likes dipping turkey in mayonnaise jars. And going Those to turkeys, Walmart. they try to run away, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's a light turkey. I do it feet first. <laughs> They're very confused once it's all done. Ugh, turkeys. But better for it. <laughs> <laughs> Their skin is so smooth after that. You need to put it on its neck then. It, it just looks like a ball it's sack. Just, right? Tightens up. Tightens not, even up. Like, not even like a young man's ball sack. But. <laughs> How many young men ball sacks have you been looking at, Rachel? <laughs> I don't kiss and tell. <laughs> Gross. Oh, man. <laughs> Let it out, Clinton. It's okay. There's way too many comments I cannot say. <laughs> Why not? Oh. You can say anything. Uh, and I guess if you're curious, you have joined the Murder Brunch Bunch at Murder Brunch. Wait, what, are, what is our intro again? I haven't, I'm not reading from the script. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. It's Clinton's Welcome. turn. Oh, is it Clinton's? All right. Thank you for reminding me. Clinton. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We're the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. Yeah. I guess I'm Rachel. You guess? Supposedly. I'm Joe. And this is the podcast where we bring you two tales of murder and mayhem and find where a murder falls on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. It was beautiful. Thank you. You're beautiful. <gasps> Stop. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this is our post-Thanksgiving. We're about to go back to work. We're all oh. a few pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, we're all... I mean, I guess... Well, we all got off for Thanksgiving, right? Like... Yeah. Okay. Well, I got... Friday. I got two days off. Yeah. Nice. So, um, it wasn't like, you know, getting a whole week off like Rachel did. I did. I got the whole week off, which was nice. I'm sure everybody else's Thanksgivings were lovely. I hope so. Yeah. Um, but today we're going to talk about murder. So buckle in your murder belts. (laughs) I don't know. 
Wait, you guys don't have murder belts? I brought my murder belt. I'll get you some for Christmas. And that's why our pants always fall down. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to listen to two new stories and talk about Dr. Michael Stone's scale of you. Why are you guys looking at me like I'm talking <laughs> like cryptically? Well, I don't. It's like you're explaining. You're you're going into detail about this. It's episode. only the eighth episode, and and really the second time we've explained what's going to happen in this intro. All right, look. If you don't like the way I introduce the show, you're free to email us at murderbrunchbunch at gmail dot com. That's a good idea. Yes, yes, it is. Good segue. Thank you. Let's talk about brunch. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Cause, so, because we're in the midst of the brunch, we're also kind of tipsy. Already. We're a little tipsy. These drinks were strong. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> You're it's the one totally who brought my it. fault. It's totally my Tell fault. Tell us what you brought. I'm going to give another try to this. This is um, my story, which we're going to get to in a second, takes place in Brazil. So, I tried to make the traditional Brazilian cocktail, Caporinha. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Please. You can direct all. <laughs> <laughs> angry emails I, I to Rachel um, and at murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com I even bought the um, traditional rum which is kashaka I believe that's pronounced correctly all angry emails to Rachel <laughs> wait till you get in my story and I actually have to do people's names um, but this is literally just straight up rum and it's a uh, it's a lot, guys. It's it's, it's, it's rum with uh, some lime that was muddled with sugar, um, and then a bunch of rum over with some ice added. Uh, no, it is it is one hundred percent rum. There's no seltzer water. There's nothing else. No, I, I am too weak for the strength. In fact, the only person who's really been able to tackle them are are Clinton. That's true. I am. Uh, we'll say halfway through my second. Yeah, yeah, he's doing all right. That one has lemonade added to it, though. So that's that true. Cheater. Yeah, the that's Brazil, all right. The I will move on to a third one that does not have lemonade added. <laughs> But uh, I couldn't hack it, so I'm just drinking mango lemonade and 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 rum. It's pineapple rum. But we had a nice spread today. We had um, it's fall, so we had a pumpkin loaf and apple fritters. Apple Thank you, fritters. Joe. I brought the apple fritters because I'm going to say this: apple is the superior taste of fall. Suck it, pumpkin. I hate pumpkin. I think she was directing that at Clinton, as he is her pumpkin. Uh, I am the pumpkin king. I'm yeah. sorry. So, and so your rebuttal? Um, pumpkin is delightful in October and November. Apples are good all year round. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very diplomatic. That's what makes them superior. And I'm gonna say that the true flavor of fall is pickles. <laughs> <laughs> we have a nice array of pickles, and they were delicious. <laughs> they were delicious garlicky pizza, pick, pick, garlicky pickles. Garlicky pickles. As well as some pita chips and hummus. It was a weird brunch. It was a weird brunch. Did we already say we had sausage? We had sausage. Oh, too. and some oh, yeah. turkey sausage. Yeah. That was turkey sausage. That was turkey sausage. The lies. The lies. That was turkey sausage that was on sale. <laughs> That's the best kind of turkey sausage. It's actually pretty tasty. I'll give it to you, turkey sausage. You win this one. And some coffee, because I'm Weird. I'm, I'm a lot of rum into this. <laughs> um, okay, so we're ready to go? Yes, let's right. go. So um, my story today is about a Bruno Fernandez de Souza. So in 2008... We're going to start with Eliza Samudio. She's a young lady. She's 25. And she begins having an affair with up-and-coming Brazilian football star Bruno Fernandes. He is also 25. He was a goalie for Flamengo, which is Brazil's most popular club. Supposedly, they met at a sex party in May, and their affair was very brief. By August, she was pregnant. 
That's where you meet all the good ones. Yep. All I imagine sex most sex party affairs are pretty. Deep. I only want to go to the ones that have like masks and stuff, though. I want like the really uh, posh looking. So sex the party. anonymous po- sex party, not so sweaty. More masks, less sweat. So so masks, but no like keys in a fishbowl. Right, like right. That. That's that's yeah. Okay, so by August she was pregnant, and remind you, this is an affair. Bruno was married to a woman who he has two kids with already. Okay. Did you say when this takes place? They met in 2008. Okay, 2008, and he was 25 in 2008. Mm-hmm. Okay. She she became pregnant, as I mentioned, and he refused paternity or child support. He, he did not want to be part of this at all. And at this point, he was dating a dentist and is still married. So Bruno gets around a bit. He wait, said, wait, wait. He was married with kids, dating a dentist, and had an affair with Eliza. Eliza. Mm-hmm. Okay. He said she refused an abortion, so that's why he broke things off with her. It wasn't the paternity and all that stuff. It was the refusing an abortion. It's a little it's a little muddy. It's a little muddy. <laughs> so naturally, Eliza took him to court. At one point during these proceedings, because, you know, court cases take a little while and everything, she accused Bruno and his friends of beating her and administering a medication to induce an abortion. Wow. Yeah. She said Bruno also held a gun to her head. He denied it all. And by the time the forensic reports came back that said she did have something aggressive in her system, Eliza had been missing for two months. Ooh. So now we're going to June of 2010. That's where we're at. Eliza Samudio has disappeared. She is missing for a couple of years when in 2013, Bruno is arrested for taking part in her murder. His wife is arrested as well as several of his friends. His words at being arrested are... He expressed regret that the allegations could damage his chances of playing for Brazil in the 2014 FIFA World Cup Finals. So no concern about a woman he fathered a child with or the fact that he could be accused of murder. He is just worried he won't be able to play soccer. Well, I mean, that's not... Football, football. (laughs) That's not entirely surprising. No. Being that he, he ended a relationship because she refused to have an abortion not for any other reason just because she refused to have an abortion. yeah he's not a cool dude yeah he's not a cool dude so the reason he was arrested his teenage cousin 17 year old jorge salas had confessed to the police that he and bruno's childhood friend Luis romao i believe that's how you pronounce his name otherwise known as spaghetti um, <laughs> ah. jorge and spaghetti no, 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 i'm sorry okay i'm sorry pause it sounds a lot better yeah. in Portuguese, but it does but mean, mean like, spaghetti. But okay, so it's not like they're calling someone spaghetti. It's the Portuguese word for spaghetti. Yes, but I mean, it still means spaghetti. But I mean, still, it's like, what's the word? I I, 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 I don't know, because it's just that, that article is like, we got to put this down as spaghetti. Yeah, it was just really good Because can we just take a moment and think about having a friend that on the reg, you call them spaghetti. I know. It makes you wonder what the backstory is. For hey, that have one. you seen spaghetti? I'm trying to text spaghetti. Hey, let's invite spaghetti out for some spaghetti. I mean, like, that's, that's the life you would have. Yes, absolutely. Have you been to Olive Garden? They've got great spaghetti. Spaghetti? No. so anyway you could never go over to our parents house no they feed us way too much but it would be so confusing yeah yeah this is spaghetti here's his spaghetti Spaghetti, it's like you want me to make you spaghetti no mom that's not what we're saying i'll make you some nice spaghetti i Um, think we need more food names as nicknames i agree i agree throw all the stuff like like honey buns honey buns and that's what clinton's nickname is now (laughs) they say you should never give yourself a nickname but i think we have just broken that rule 
Honey buns. Let's get back to the horrifying murder. So his teenage cousin, this is a little guy. He's 17 years old. It's not good. Jorge and Spaghetti kidnapped Eliza from a hotel she was staying at, knocked her out, and took her to Bruno's farmhouse. And she had the baby with her. This is The baby's a, a few months old at this point. When she is there, retired policeman, and please forgive me for the pronunciation of his name, Marcos Aparecido dos Santos strangles her. Bruno's wife took the baby and tried to hide it from the police. It was found in a slum soon after safe. So they, oh, okay. So they, the baby's alive. Yeah, they found the baby. It's a little boy who incidentally was also named Bruno. Um, yeah, I Gross. guess Eliza was trying to... Well, whatever. And um, But the baby was found safe. Unfortunately for Eliza, she was not safe. Her body was cut up and given to Bruno's Rottweilers. Ew. And her bones were buried in cement on the property. That is fucked up. Yeah. It's pretty. And, and the charges against him included torture. So there might have been some other stuff done to her as well. But obviously, post-mortem, chopping a body up is pretty terrible on its own. And feeding it to dogs. Feeding a person to dogs is just... I don't know. There's something beyond about that. Is it so, is do- are dogs worse than pigs? Hmm, maybe. Like the pig will get rid of everything. I mean, I mean pigs actually, are more efficient. If I, that's yeah, what I you're mean, asking. As, like you give them like bones, you give them everything. You look at it from both sides, right? As a killer, pigs are are obviously the better choice. But like. Is dogs there, are more familiar. Well, like, dogs like are dogs domestic. Are more, they're pets. They're right, domestic. I'm right. not. I'm not saying pigs aren't. So but. when those Rottweilers are licking your face and they just ate your girlfriend, but the thing like, is, there's something. Like, I don't you think like dogs are a little bit more scary or a little bit more vicious? Yes, like there might have been a little more. Yeah, there might. Have I, been more, I mean, if I don't, see, I don't see how those dogs can be like your lovable pets. Like right. they're like probably trained right. guard dogs. Yeah, they're probably more of a attack hounds than um cuddly little baby dog. i mean maybe they are i don't know it was just that's just horrible worth noting we had rottweilers all our life growing up oh and yeah delightful lap dogs oh no no i have nothing against rottweilers i think most dogs are fine on their own and it's usually the owners that make them oh, yeah, yeah, the bad animals yeah, yeah, yeah you're right clinton it's a good thing to we, um, we love to, the puppies here yeah um so bruno was sentenced to 22 years of prison last year he was moved to house arrest which is a, he's at home and he has an 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. curfew. So the only thing he's allowed to do is work or study. Now, I want to go back a little bit and just tell you that Bruno had been showing signs of violence back in 2004 when he was jailed after an altercation with rival fans who taunted him after a game. So he got in a fight hard enough that they had to put him in jail. And he was also jailed for dangerous driving. So I think that was like rage driving. You know what I mean? Hmm. He was raised by his grandmother. His parents were out of the picture for the most part. He was raised poor, and he was one of those guys who saw football as a way to get out. And so he worked really hard, and that's how he made it. Now, here's the weirder part. In 2014, so this is a year after he's been arrested, he signed a five-year contract with Montes Claros, but his request to leave prison during the day to play was denied. When they submitted a picture of Bruno to the player database, they used a photo from his trial. So even though he is on trial for murder, soccer teams, football teams, I should say, are still willing to have him as a player. It's crazy. Is it? I mean, and, and it goes on. Three years later, he was signed with Boa Esporte, and they lost a lot of sponsors and had a, a social media backlash, but they kept with him. And then because he played terribly, he got his injunction suspended, and he got sent back to jail. He's a goalie, and he was letting too many goals in, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to send you back to jail instead. So he goes back to jail. He signed with Pocos de Caldas, as a goalie because that's considered work while he's on house arrest because that's the thing is that the only thing he knows how to do is play football so 
that's the work he's been doing. So even though he is a known murderer, he's still a football player in Brazil. Well, they'd probably get a lot of attention and a lot of like media coverage and stuff like that if they have mm-hmm. them. And that's really what that is a big is important in a lot of those big sports now is how much money they're going to make. Yeah. So currently he's signed with Rio Bronco. Um, his son lives with Eliza's mother. Um, he is not doing well, little Bruno. He has panic attacks when he hears from his father, and Bruno is still trying to connect with him and have a relationship with him. So Why? I, you wanted him to be aborted. Yeah. You, it's, I mean, seriously, you abandoned him in a slum. Mm-hmm. And killed his mother. Right, And it, but that's the thing. It's like, you didn't want him in the first place. You don't get to change your mind. I agree. So anyway, so he's being raised by Eliza's mom, and I'm sure he, she's doing the best she can with him. Bruno is... Still playing football, still on house arrest, still part of the national scene. Uh, And also, as just a little addendum before we talk about the scale, I do want to mention that there's a Portuguese Bruno Fernandes who plays for Manchester United, who is a different guy. That is not the guy I'm talking about. Yes, if you Google Bruno Fernandes, you will get the Manchester United player. Yeah, the one Uh, I'm talking about is Bruno Fernandes de Sousa. You have to add that on to find this case. Okay, well, that's at least good is that when people Google... Yeah, the name they get they get the good one. Yeah, yeah, and leave him alone. He doesn't deserve anybody. (laughs) So that is the story of poor Eliza Samudio, and so he was convicted of her murder. Yeah, he got twenty two years in prison. Okay, he didn't spend all twenty two years in prison. How much? How how much total did he spend in prison? He was in there from let's see, only about six years, six seven years. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. So there's, obviously, there's a lot of activists and protesters who are kind of looking at how the system works, especially for footballers and how this is allowed and blah, blah, blah. And they're trying to reform. So, yeah, any questions before we move on to the scale? No. So, well, um, probably worth recapping. So we are, unlike a lot of our previous murderers, this is one victim. Yes. One victim. You could argue he did not do the killing. Because, as far as we know, that the retired policeman right. did the strangling. It was his 17-year-old friend that kidnapped her yes. and then the cousin. cop, or cousin, and then, the cop. then the cop that strangled her. Yeah. So, but that's what about up in our discussion. Them. Did they, was, did they, were they prosecuted? Yes. They all had different sentences. His wife, as well, was involved in some way. So, I think she got some kind of sentence well, as well. you said she hid the baby. Yeah. So, she probably... She got a kidnapping charge, I think. Yeah. And so, they were all a little different. All right, so we're looking at then one murder, potentially not directly killed. Right. Maybe some torture. Yeah. Dismemberment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Something, of, something of the corpse. Some um, malfeasance with the corpse or something like that. I forget what the term is. Grossness with the corpse. Grossness with the corpse. Probably no rape at no. this point. So. Okay, so here's what I have for the scale. Here's some ideas I have. Seven. So, oh, I should recap what the scale is. Our lovable Michael, Dr. Michael Stone um, has come up with a scale of evil from 1 to 22. 1 being... Justifiable homicide. And 22 being... Oh, that's my favorite. Psychopathic Ooh. torture murderers with torture as the primary motive. Right. And so what we like to do here on Murder Brunch is kind of place where our killers would fall on that scale and discuss, you know, a little backseat psychology on what we think they would fall on the scale. So my ideas for Bruno Fernandez is 7... Highly narcissistic persons, some with psychotic cores who murder loved ones. Twelve, power-hungry psychopaths who murder when cornered. 
Or, and this is because he did not do the actual murdering, three, willing companions of murderers, impulse-ridden antisocial traits. All right, so you might argue that he didn't murder a loved one because of the way he treated Eliza, but I think at some point he did care about her quite a bit. So that's why I thought Seven would be part of it because he is narcissistic. He is obviously all about himself, his football career, and he's killing someone to further his own aims. I do agree between the ones that you mentioned, Seven, Three, and Twelve. Yeah. He doesn't quite seem the power-hungry psychopath, nor was he exactly cornered. I know. She didn't really have anything on him that was going to keep him from playing. Yeah, especially since apparently it seems like no matter what crime you commit, he still can get on a soccer, or I'm sorry, a football team. So he didn't have anything to lose except money, I guess. Yeah, to pay child support. And he isn't of the stage where he has a ton of money yet, where it would, I guess, not matter as much. Mm -hmm. But that is true. But we can't, we do have to take into the fact that he did not do the actual killing. True, but I mean, neither did Jim Jones. That's true. So, um, an important distinction. Uh, So, seven starts the subcategory of persons with few or no psychopathic traits, murders of a more severe type, whereas six and below is impulsive murders in persons without psychopathic features. So, it's really, do you feel he crosses the line and exhibits any kind of psychopathy? You know, that's required for a seven versus your three or anywhere on the, the two to six. It's just like, it's kill. He, mm-hmm. he killed people, but he's not a psychopath. I think he's got psychopathy. I would say so, being that his only response to her death or his the suspicion of his involvement in her death is, I'm, I'm sorry that it might deter my career. Right. You know, I mean, he is clearly only thinking of himself. So that, I think, shows... Some kind of psychopathy and, and extreme narcissism. And he has uh, he has the previous incidents. Yeah, he got into a fight. Yes, the dangerous driving. But what about like kidnapping her and injecting her with medicine to make her have an abortion? Holding right. a gun to her head. And also, I mean, so that uh, takes away any kind of thought that this wasn't premeditated. Right. Oh, no, this was very planned. He's got so many people involved. Right. So it's not like he just flew into rage. Right. So are yeah. we saying more of a seven? Definitely more of a seven than a three. I think the only other candidate could potentially be a six. Impetuous, hot-headed murders, yet without marked psychopathic traits. I don't think it was hot-headed enough, though. It was okay. so planned out. It was like, Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even involved in the kidnapping. He had two other people do it. Right. They took her to his house, but then when he got there, someone else has killed her. You know, I mean, it's like... It's too, it's too... Yeah, it's not like he's getting in bar fights and things like that. He's not known for flying off the handle in that way. I think seven. seven? I think we're we're pretty comfortable at a seven. I think the narcissism is the part that really pops out for him. So, okay. So, Bruno Fernandez de Souza is a seven on the board. Putting it on the board. Put it on the board. He is not near anyone, I don't think, right now for us. Bruno Fernandez, seven. (laughs) Let's see. The closest one he's near. Well, we got a two with Mr. Riley Gall back in episode two. And a 14 with episode one, Mr. Manuel. 16. (laughs) (laughs) But Bruno is a seven. Okay. Okay. All right. So that is the story of Bruno Fernandez de Sousa. Not the Manchester United player. He's a fucking asshole. And the fact that he's out and about is just infuriating. Yeah. Boo. Because he could do this to another woman. See, that's the thing. is that All he has to do is sleep around with someone else and have this whole thing happen again. 
it's such a weird like thought that he's in he's obviously in a system right but he has a day pass Mm-hmm. And which is not uncommon in lots of countries. Like Canada has a thing like that too. But for murderers, because I also, yeah. but I thought that was more of like used for people with mental or like you know they have and they weren't. Um, what am I thinking of? They were they couldn't uh, be tried due to insanity, and then they've gotten medication and help and stuff like that. Or even stuff like like tax fraud. It's like sure you have a prison sentence for tax fraud. Will let you keep a job, right? Like, I mean, I'm but sure this is a violent. I'm sure killer. it's different from every country, but like there are countries that allow because they see their prison systems as more of rehabilitation. Right. It is not supposed to keep them away from the public. It's supposed to make them better so they can return. Mm-mm. But I don't know. I think there's some people that just can't be back in general population. All right, shall we move on? Yeah. All right, let's move on to our second story of the day, and this story is an unsolved mystery. So there will be no scale, but it's still a good tale to tell. Here we go. Cindy Elizabeth Hack James. Hack was her maiden name. James is her married name. She lived in Vancouver, British Columbia. In 1966, she graduated nursing school and later became the administrator of a preschool for children with behavioral and emotional problems. She had been married, but separated from her husband in July of 1982. It was only four months later that she received the first of many mysterious phone calls. These calls would range from silence, heavy breathing, incoherent whispering, and then all the way up to violent threats. These phone calls lasted seven years. Oh my God. In that time, Cindy reported nearly 100 incidences of harassment to the police. Along with all the phone calls, at least five of the incidents were violent physical attacks. Like she was attacked at her home? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And other incidents uh, were sounds of prowlers around her home at night. Her porch lights would be smashed and her phone lines would be cut. What the heck? Why did she move? Or, or get a different phone number or anything like that. Right? When she turned to the police, it seemed to only make the matters worse and the harassment intensified. According to a friend of Cindy's, Agnes Woodcock, strange notes started to appear on her doorsteps. These notes said things like, I see you, and depict disturbing images such as a woman being strangled. Oh my God. Yeah. And you can see, like, if you look it up, you can see, like, a picture of one of the notes. And it's creepy. You can look it up now. I am absolutely looking this up. the cap on his pen ever so nonchalantly. (laughs) I need to know. What time period was this again? One more time? Uh, Between 1982 and 1989. Oh, my God. And and I'm assuming, like, she could tell, like, the voices on the phone was always the same person. Or were there multiple people involved? She would say that... It it was a voice, but it would change. But then again, it was like sometimes it was whispering, sometimes mm-hmm. it was talking, sometimes it was just silence. And for the the actual attacks, it she would sometimes say that there were multiple people. So that's a little unclear. Also, Agnes told of one night when she stopped at Cindy's house for a visit. It was later in the evening, so when there was no reply to the doorbell, Agnes assumed that Cindy was taking a bath. But Agnes apparently is very snoopy because <laughs> she started looking around the house and she found Cindy outside crouched in the bushes with a nylon stocking tightly wrapped around her neck. 
Cindy said that she had gone to the garage to get a box and someone attacked her from behind. All she could remember was white sneakers and then the rest was blank. Is she doing this to herself? Why would you think that? Because there's, because I, I find it so strange that she hasn't, she hasn't moved. She hasn't taken any precautions to like, I don't know, put in surveillance system in her house or anything like that. I mean, I understand it's the 80s. But yeah, it just well, I mean, so... is there surveillance systems for, for the 80s? Yeah, they would have had something probably. Um, she did go to the cops. She did. It was not long after that Cindy moved house. Okay. She painted her car a different color. She changed her name, but the harassment did not stop. She hired a private detective who has the most detective name any detective has ever. His name is Ozzy. Ozzy. Ozzy Caban. K-A-B-A-N. Caban. Caban. Ozzy Caban. I'm just going to call him Ozzy. Detective Ozzy. Ozzy. I'm here to help. He's always got like the the half-smoked cigar. Yeah, we're looking into it, Cindy. Don't you worry. (laughs) On the night of January 30th, 1984. You're going to want to write that down, Clinton. Sorry, I was looking at the... uh... The you, notes. You have also haven't said anything about her husband. Like, what does he think about all this stuff going on? Or she divorced him. Oh, so she's living on her own. Yeah. Does she have any kids with her? No. So it's just her by herself. Mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah. In 19... See, it was 1982 that her and her husband got divorced. They separated. And then four months after the separation, she started receiving the phone calls. Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. Those are awful. Yeah. Those are straight up the cliche creepy notes. All right. On the night of January 30th, 1984, Ozzy heard strange noises coming from a two-way radio he had given Cindy. The noises were suspicious enough that Ozzy drove to her house immediately, and there he found that the house was completely locked. But when he peered through a window, he found her lying on the floor with a paring knife through her hand. He thought she was dead, so he bust, he broke in. Oh, sure. Yeah, he broke through a window. And apparently there was a note... (gasps) attached to the paring knife going through her hand. Like, you know, you put the note down on the hand, you just stab it right through. Yeah. I don't know what the note said, though. Like, I didn't I didn't find that in my readings. Here's that knife you let me borrow. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. <laughs> so, alive, though. So you mentioned he busted in. He or, So he sees her... On the ground, knife through her hand, busts mm-hmm. in, but she is alive. Yes. Okay. So she goes to the hospital and uh, she said she remembered being attacked from behind and having a needle put into her arm. So something to knock her out. That's what you would assume. So Rachel, mm-hmm. throughout this time, because the, the sheer volume of incidents, the police started to become suspicious of Cindy. I gotcha. And some believed that she was making it up and staging the attacks. Right? It just seems so wild that first... Okay, it just seems wild that someone would attack her this much, and this is going to sound awful, but not finish the job. Like, they're, they're, like she obviously has been in situations where no one's around. Someone... Like, why haven't they killed her? Well, one of the things... One of the quotes that she said to, like, her friend Agnes is that she knew who the attacker was and that they wanted to kill her from fear. Mm. You know, which is weird. Like they like literally wanted to scare her to death. Yeah. Well, then you would have done it because this is horrifying. I would have died she's, much sooner. She's still alive though. Ugh. But but hold on to that thought real quick. Okay. Okay. Until the end. Uh, when questioned by the police, she would seem like she was holding back information, 
acting elusive and, quote, simply would not act as a normal victim would. No, I don't like that statement. I didn't, we, I didn't we like that We talked about that before. Either. Yes. Yeah. You don't know how you're going to act in that situation no. when you're a victim. No. And it's unfair for people who, especially people who do not know psychology or anything like that, to just think that everybody's going to act the same. Right. And that's very telling of the times. I feel like nowadays, investigators are a little more sensitive to the idea that sometimes you act frozen sometimes you act standoffish but that's the thing is that they she did not act like a normal victim because she would still walk her dogs she didn't move when they thought it would be appropriate that made her suspicious tilly hack cindy's mom believed the reason for cindy's reluctant behavior was due to threats made toward the rest of cindy's family that if she were to name her assailant he would then kill her family Hmm. Because another quote that I saw from Tilly Hack was that the assailant told her in one of the threatening phone calls that if you tell the cops, your sister will be next and then your mother and then your father. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's scary by itself, I would think. There were other curious things that led the police to question Cindy. She took part in a polygraph test. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why are we even bring those up anymore? But anyway, she took part in a polygraph test that revealed that she was indeed not telling all she knew. Well, there you go. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> the police put a 24-hour, 14-day surveillance on her house. And in that time, there were no incidents, no phone calls. 14 days? Yeah. Okay. And no notes. So over a course of seven years of repeatedly getting things during this 14-day window... Nothing. 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 But the moment they took the surveillance off, the phone call started again. If it's a cop, you know, if there's a cop doing it, then they would know that that stuff's going on. And so they wouldn't do it then. True. And a cop would probably know where she moved to, what her car looks like, you know, any changes she did because she'd let the cops know, hey, I'm moving, that kind of thing. True. Um, So it was a cop. (laughs) I don't know. You're the best detective I, I know. know. Just call me Ozzy Caban. It's going to be another one that bothers me that it's not solved mm-hmm. at the end. On December 11th, 1985, Cindy was found dazed and confused in a ditch about six miles from her home. She had cuts and bruises all over her body and a nylon stock wrapped around her neck. She was also suffering for, from hypothermia and claimed to have no memory of what happened. So that, do, we think, do we think this is another case of they were threatening to kill somebody else and she's just keeping quiet or? Well, I don't know. Because I mean, like if you are attacked behind, if you are injected with something, then it would be easy to not remember what happened, happened or if you're hit in the head. My whole thing about that attack, about it being staged by her or not, is staging hypothermia. That's like Why? You know? To make it more believable? Yeah, but hypothermia, that's serious stuff. Well, where is she? Um, In Vancouver. So all she had to do was stay outside for a little bit. It's cold out there. Rachel, <laughs> hypothermia, you start losing, like, toes and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> and you do get, you could get delusional. And so. truthfully, if, if okay, if you're going to be like, I'm going to lay here until I get, until someone finds me to the point where you get hypothermia, that means that. She could have died. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you're in it to win it. You're going to kill yourself to well, stay Well, what it. if it's something like like Munchausen? And it's not Munchausen by proxy. It is legit. Mun- I am- You mean Munchausen? I, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Okay. 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 <laughs> but anyways, Munchausen? what if... <laughs> I've only heard it with the soft C-H. 
what if it's she's doing it to herself? Shut the fuck up, both of you. What if she's doing it to herself as a you know, like a test and to get attention and she'll go far. She'll go too far one of these days, which she obviously does at some point because that's how the story ends, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> so obviously you're, you're in the cops camp. I am. I'm leaning towards the idea that she's doing it to herself. Okay. Back to the story. Yeah. Okay. So Agnes, the friend and her husband start staying with Cindy and they too heard strange noises in the night around the house. And once woke up to find that the basement had been set on fire and the phone lines cut again. And that's another thing. The phone lines cut. That's pretty, like, that's a thing. Like, cutting your own phone lines in the 80s, that's, you, it's not like. Well, if she's, if she's doing this to herself, she's going whole hog the whole, every time. Uh, Well, apparently, but it's like, that seems to get attention. Especially like, how are you going to get attention if you can't call anybody? Because she always get out. She always gets out of it somehow. But anyway, so when Agnes's husband ran outside to call for help, he found a man on the sidewalk. Okay. And when he called him, when he called out to him to go get help, the man just ran away and was never seen again. The police suspected that Cindy set the fire herself because they could not find evidence that anyone had broken into the house, and the fire had to be set from inside. So they're like, there are no fingerprints and there's no like busted the, doors. There's no broken windows. For some reason, for this incident, they were sure that they had to go through a certain window, which I don't quite understand that. Well, it's a basement. Yeah, but why can't you go through a different window and then go down to the basement? Mm. But they just didn't find any of that forensic evidence. So at this point, after all the stuff has happened, the doctor Cindy was seeing, not oh, dating. No, not oh. dating. <laughs> okay, her like uh, like a legitimate like psychiatrist or something. Okay, sure. Um, he he feared that she was going to have a psychotic break because she was going so crazy that no one believed her, mm-hmm. and so to prevent suicide, he admitted her to a psychiatric ward for ten weeks. Wow, that's a long time. That's a lengthy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the same doctor did say through the whole time that he was seeing her, she did not have psychosis. She did not have multiple personalities. She was perfectly fine. But the sheer fact that all this stuff was happening and nobody would believe her drove her to the brink. Right. After she got out, she confided in her family that she knew who was attacking her and she was going to go after him herself. Well, that's a ballsy move. It is. On May 25th, 1989... Six years and seven months since the first strange phone call. That's so long. Cindy disappears. They find her car in a parking lot with groceries inside and a wrapped gift. There is blood on the driver's side door. The contents of her wallet are strewn on the ground. And then two weeks later, they find Cindy James's body in an abandoned house. Her hands and feet are tied behind her. A nylon stocking is wrapped around her neck. But the cause of death was an overdose of morphine and other drugs. So the police conclude that she died of a suicide. Okay. Well, I mean, the whole, how can she tie her hands and feet behind her? So one of the arguments for that is that if she injected herself with morphine, it would take about 15 minutes to kick Sure. So she would have time to tie herself up. I'm not sure how you tie tie your feet and your hands behind your back. But apparently they said that you could. Well, if you do that thing where you tie your hands in the front and then you put your, you know, you put them, put your legs through them, 
you know, it's kind of like going backwards. If your hands are tied behind you, you can yeah, bring yeah, it. Yeah. So if you do it backwards, right, you could do something like but that. But she would have to be hogtied because they always make a point that her feet are tied behind her back. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, so that's a very awkward thing to do. But they have they had people say this is how you can do it, and you can do it. But the OD thing is that they didn't find any drug paraphernalia near her. Oh. So she would have had to somehow inject herself, like, at her car, and then walk to this building, which was um, half, a, half a mile or a mile away, tie herself up. She was barefoot. She wasn't really dressed, you know, um, a lot. It was in... No signs of rape. May, you know, no signs of rape or anything like that. Um, and then she, the she had the nylon th- thing around her neck. So it's kind of a toss-up. Ozzy and the family, of course, don't buy it. And they believe that she was obviously murdered. And even the Vancouver coroner ruled that she died of an unknown event. They would not put down that she did a suicide. But then again, they they would not put down murder. Right. It was an unknown event. The only suspects the police ever had in the case were Cindy's ex-husband. Now, I did not find, and I'm not going to name their names because they're... They were only suspects, but her husband seemed to be an older man that she married who had a tendency to be manipulating and who gaslighted her mm-hmm. a lot. And so if the ultimate gaslighting mm. would be to make you believe that you're crazy and nobody believe that these things are pretty going elaborate gaslight it would be but i mean if you're going to go whole hog mm-hmm. and then the other suspect that they had was an ex-boyfriend who happened to also be a cop mm. but they were both ruled out quickly and it would seem that ruled throughout out by who by ozzy or by the cops by the police mm. and um it would seem that throughout most of the case the investigators spent most of their time and energy on cindy as a perpetrator right now there's there's diff- definitely two camps because you know there's the family and like coming like looking at it from the outside you're like people don't commute, commit suicide that way you know, that's extremely elaborate seven-year thing to just kill yourself at the yeah. end. And, and, of course, there's that whole, like, well, why are the cops not looking into it? Why were they so hung up on just looking at her and, you know, thinking that she was doing it to herself? But the police have on record that they spent almost $100,000 investigating her incidents alone. Like, all the things that sh- she did. Of course, now she had a lot of things go on. There's a lot of people who have said little rumors, but you can't tell if they're true. There's one person who said that their father lived next to them and they heard screaming in the night a couple of times of coming from her house and that they saw a guy like do the the slit throat gesture at her like when she was out on her front yard or something mm-hmm. like that at one time. But I mean, that's just people saying things. Right. So who knows if that's true? That's just town gossip. And I suppose if you went that route of saying it was, let's say, the ex-boyfriend who is a cop, that could make it very difficult for her to try to come forward to the cops. I know. That's the thing, though, is that if she knew who did it, why didn't she leave a note somewhere? Why didn't she finally say, this is the person who did it? If anything happens to me, Mm -hmm. this is the person. You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you spill the beans at some point? Seven years. Right. Also, it's one of those things, like, if she was doing it all to herself and she wanted attention, why didn't she leave a note? Like, one last grasp of attention. 
Because at that point, maybe she knew I'll be dead. It won't matter. Well, if that's the case, why did she elaborately kill herself? To keep it up, I guess. To keep up the... Yeah, but I mean, she'd be dead. Or it could have been a mistake. Yeah. I mean, if if we keep that one up, it could have been she had intended to live through that scenario. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a wild case. Yeah. And it is one of those things where because there's so much evidence on both sides... What do you think? Without, I don't know. What does Ozzy think? That's probably the most important thing. Ozzy thinks that she was murdered. She was murdered. Yes. But he doesn't have any suspects. Or at least he hasn't named any suspects that he was following. No, but he was there. Like, the the problem is, and this, if it did happen to her, it is every woman's worst nightmare. Yeah. Because the problem was there was no third party corroboration. Mm-hmm. No one was there when she received a phone call. And, like, people were there when a note arrived, but it's easy to send yourself a note. If it was true, how terrifying would it be that you were the only one who... It's like it's like those ghost stories where the people see the ghost, but the only they... It only appears to them, and so nobody knows it's happening or whatever. And I would think that that would be really terrifying and really... It would... I mean... It would make you go insane. Oh, sure. If nobody believed you. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I could I could definitely lean into the murder scenario. But I just feel so weird that if she knew who was doing this to her, she didn't at some point tell somebody. Or maybe she never really knew. And she was just saying that. I don't know. Or like maybe it was just a suspicion. Yeah. But there's also that thing where there's there's no point to any of it. Yeah. Her doing it to herself, there was never a point. Because she didn't get anything from it. Except attention. Attention, right? But it turned into this like negative attention. It wasn't like people were sending her on trips to Disney World or giving her gifts or cash to help her out. The most I saw was like her her parents were concerned and Agnes and her husband stayed over a night. The lying in a ditch long enough to get hypothermia, that's weird to me. That, that one's what tips you over the edge to murder? Well, that's... That gives me pause for suspicion that somebody else is involved simply because you didn't have to do that to get the same reaction from people. Right. And also the fact that she has these drugs in her systems, but nobody can say where they came from. Yeah, that one's weird as far as, well, unless they did, unless she did do the whole thing where she set it up, did the drugs got rid of them somewhere. But where? That's the thing is like they all, they searched the building. They searched the building. They searched the roof that them. she would have had. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's one of the things. But eating them gives you a different reaction. It's a different timeline. And there would be contents in your stomach. And they didn't find any right. of that. So it would have to be injected. Also, I saw that there was evidence of an injection spot in her arm. But if that's the case, then she would have had some kind of needle close by. But they never found anything. Now, it could be something that she had an accomplice. Help her stage it. But in 30 years, that accomplice has never come forward. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, we often talk about psychopathy for killing people, but there are people who just have mental illness. Yeah. And I mean, this could just be the way that hers manifested. If you're in But she was seeing a psychiatrist who said that she had no psychosis as far as he could tell other than the fact Maybe that she he had, was like, the PTSD. one too. <laughs> yeah. yeah and also she was a nurse who worked with children with behavioral issues. behavioral and emotional issues so she she saw that a lot but then she would also have access to drugs drugs and medications 
Gosh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, well, it, it either falls in one of two things. Either she was <coughs> messed up mentally in doing this to herself, or someone else is messed up mentally in doing yeah. it to her. Yes. Like, it, it definitely falls... But, that, but that's the whole thing, that if it was someone else, there was no justice. Nobody right. was... Yeah. And, and I'm it, assuming the cops have closed the case. They see it as a suicide. Nobody's looking into it. I'm sure Ozzy moved I, on to other cases. I don't think the police are... I don't think it's an open case. Yeah. I could be wrong, though. But there are plenty of people who, like the the um, the Lovesey detectives... What are those called? Not Lovesey. Armchair. Armchair. There you go. The armchair detectives. Like the Reddit. Still, yeah, Reddit still look into it. And so it's a very... For some people, it's very active. So. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we do sources? Sure. All right. Um, the sources I used for the Bruno Fernandez de Sousa murder was the Brazilian Report, BBC.com, and BBCSport.com. And my sources for the mysterious death of Cindy James was Unsolved Mysteries, Wiki, and the Unsolved.com. Just Unsolved.com? Yeah. I might be wrong. I forgot to write those down. <laughs> so that's from memory. But it, it's this story is uh, featured in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. I did not watch it. I just read their article about it because I like to read things. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. That's our two stories for the day. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And also you can reach us at our social media. Such as, Clinton, Facebook? Our Facebook is Murder Brunch Podcast. Twitter? At Murder Brunch. Instagram? Murder Brunch. Or do we just call it the Gram? No. No. <laughs> do you say za? <laughs> Website? Is murderbrunchpodcast.com. And then, of course, that Gmail. Is murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. Lovely. Who calls it the Gram? Who did? Who was I listening to? I was listening to no someone. No one. Who got, You've made uh, that what? up. No. Someone calls it that. You can do the first half. It I can be insta, I think, but it I cannot think, uh, be the gram. I think Mark Zuckerberg. I, I think don't, he's trying to get that started. I think you want to. <laughs> let's not be Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I don't want you hanging around that person who calls it the gram. The gram. Anyway, I'll catch you all on the gram. Catch you, we're going to catch you all next week on the gram for more mayhem, <gasps> more murder, more snacks. Bye. Bye. It's not funny anymore. Is it? It's not funny anymore. What, gram? <laughs> we laughed earlier. <laughs>